Yeah. You ready? <laughs> hey. Let's go. Bet. I am Anthony Mercurio, the owner of Prime Movement Performance, and do some other random things too, but you'll we'll talk more about that. And I have on the other line, I have Tyler Kalasi, he's one of our online remote clients and all things physical therapy, health, performance, all the things. What's up, Ty? What's up? How's it going, everybody? Happy whatever day this is you're listening to this. Could be Wednesday, could be Thursday, maybe it's a Friday, and yay, Friday. So today what we're going to talk about is something that, that's come up, and here's where Tyler and I were kind of going back and forth. So first, I think before we get into our topic of conversation, we're just going to do a recap of our own weeks and kind of see where we're at, what we're doing, what we're up to, and give you some tidbits and insight into our lives. So Ty, this last week, since we recorded our last podcast, what have you had going on? Any, any new stuff? How's your training going? How are your clients coming along? How is everything going in the world of Tyler Clayson? Yeah, so, well, right now it is it is Wednesday. We're co- recording this on a Wednesday, but uh, life's just kind of kind of going as planned. I've got a competition, a CrossFit competition coming up next month, so I've been ramping up my own training and my own nutrition. Um, so that's been super fun to kind of be competitive or sporty for a little while, and uh you know, the, the remote training is going well. Um, I've actually just bumped up to like the most clients I've had yet. And I'm kind of thinking about putting that on hold as far as taking any more clients. Um, and I've been having fun working on this new prime elevate program that you and I are releasing in, uh, early September. It's going to give folks who want to work with us remotely, but maybe can't afford the remote one-on-one package or don't necessarily need a coach. It's going to give those kind of folks like another opportunity to access our programming and our style of training um, from like anywhere in the world, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. What about you? I mean, that's kind of the point of our, you know, what we call our online platform is prime connect. And with the motto that we, you are being connected with, us or our staff from anywhere in the world or anywhere, you know, anytime, any place with anything that you have, and you're going to be able to connect with us. And that's kind of like our motto for our online platform. And Tyler was talking a little bit about ramping up for a competition. Now, recently at our own gym, um, a couple of folks went out and did like a friendly kind of competition, not like a super intense, super serious. Um, they went out and they had fun and they enjoyed it, but they kind of just did it on a whim. Now, if you are going to compete and you are interested, let's say, if you perform or do the type of training that we do at prime, which isn't necessarily like CrossFit, CrossFit, like it wouldn't get you prepared for a high intense competition necessarily. I mean, you would be have the movements and you would have the strength and the capacity to do so, but the volume that CrossFit brings is just a different, a different animal altogether. And some competitions, you know, we have one locally that Tyler and I have done in the past um, that's out in Albany area, which is about, you know, an hour and a half away from us. And their competition is pretty intense. Um, and we've been fortunate enough to, to go there and be competitive, but we, we would make the finals and do stuff. But when you get to the finals, it, you would see that separation between the folks who are doing like hardcore CrossFit training and what Tyler and I were doing. Well, we were still very competitive um, because we both have like, you know, strength and conditioning backgrounds. We both play college sports. So we had some like, you know, a good base, a good foundation, I would say. But then when you get there, it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is, we don't do, you know, 30 muscle ups and 
and all these, this volume of, of bar muscle ups and handstand walking and the things that you see in the CrossFit higher level competitions. So what type of things are you doing, I guess, to ramp up to compete that to make you more prepared than just doing like, I guess the basics. Yeah. So right now I'm following the exact program that everyone does at prime headquarters, right at the, the building in new Hartford. I am doing that programming, um, basically on the same day that everyone else does it. The way I'm ramping it up is, you know, first, um, potentially taking percentages or weights slightly higher than are prescribed for the class. Uh, one, because, you know, with my, training experience and where I'm trying to go as far as this current competition, you know, I, I know that I'm going to have to be kind of pushing my threshold strength wise. So I want to make sure that my joints and my nervous system are ready. Then things like gymnastics movements, maybe where we've got strict pull-ups because typically in our class workouts, um, you know, telling everyone else this, cause you certainly know, right. We don't really program a lot of gymnastic dynamic gymnastic movements like kipping pull-ups, butterfly pull-ups, muscle-ups. Now they show up, but they're very, very infrequent. And for me, I know that those are things I'm going to need to do at a higher volume, like, right? So a lot of reps in a row. So instead of strict pull-ups every time, I will do you know, some of that more gymnastic-y stuff. And then occasionally, um, I am throwing in like a little bit of extra heavy breathing at the end of a workout. So if there was a strength piece in a Metcon, instead of doing a whole extra aerobic piece or Metcon, I will throw in like a little Tabata on the bike, something that just challenged me a little bit more so that I know I can handle a lot of work on that day. Now, I guess one thing you didn't touch upon, I mean, that, that does come up and this, this came up frequently or not frequently, but this came up recently. And the, the folks who went to the competition locally here is Olympic lifting. So in our normal kind of like day-to-day programming, we do Olympic lifting in, in very, I would say very limited capacities. And we most of the time do it in the safest uh, rudimentary ways that we, we know of, you know, we'll do like a lot of hang power stuff. We won't do full variation Olympic lifts. We very rarely will like snatch an overhead squat or split jerk or things like that, where you might find in a competition and, you know, it, by doing the class and, and missing out on some of that more advanced Olympic lifting, are you ramping that up as well or not so much? Uh, I am a little bit, but you know, where I am with how I do Olympic lifting, I feel like that my technique is at a point where I just need to focus on staying or getting stronger and that will carry over into the Olympic lifting. There has been some opportunities where we've seen, you know, maybe some dumbbell snatching or um, some of that landmine clean and jerks or snatching. And I'll replace that with standard barbell cleaning or snatching just so I can make sure I'm, you know, kind of fresh and ready to go for the competition. But like I said, I think over the years, the exposure that I've gotten from the prime programming with cleaning and snatching, you know, my technique is at a place where I think I just need to focus on staying or getting stronger. For sure. And I think that's where like training age, we've talked about training age in the past about like how much exposure do you have to some of these movements? And then, you know, like the reason why Tyler's ramping up is because he wants to make sure that he goes in and he's safe in the comment. It's not necessarily about performance necessarily, but it's also about like, being healthy and being safe, right? Because if you go into a competition and you're pushing yourself to do things that you haven't done frequently, or you haven't done, maybe you haven't done them ever, right? So if you've never done a, like a clean, heavy cleaning jerks with a split jerk ever in your life, probably in a competition might not be the f- best time to break that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and the same thing is that what Tyler is saying is that, you know, we don't do a lot of those dynamic kipping butterfly, kipping handstand pushups, whatever that might be where the volume, well, you kind of have to, to 
get to some of the volume and the reps that you see in CrossFit and the CrossFit competitions where you might have to like throw those in there to prepare your body so you don't hurt yourself, right? And Tyler has the pre, and he has all the prerequisite strength and all the things like that. Um, and it's just a matter of like, you know, maybe fine tuning some of the technique that he hasn't been working on and then building up, ramping up some volume so that he comes out of that competition feeling good and not like super beat up. Yeah, I would say preparing to not get injured is, is a great way to say it. And it's a similar concept that we take in physical therapy world where we, we say like kind of return to sport, right? And when you think of sport, you think of field sports, court sports, things like that. But but really, if we break it down, we're, we're trying to prepare that individual to handle um, the work at the capacity they need in their sport, their activity, their job. So for me, you know, I, I want to make sure I have a bit of a buffer so I can do things a few extra reps. I can push a little bit harder with the weight. I can go a little bit more intense without having that breakdown in form or kind of going over the top as far as, you know, cardio intensity to the point where I, I could potentially get hurt. So of course I want to win. <laughs> I want to do well, but the big thing sure. is being able to come out on the other end of that competition, feeling good, ready to kind of get back to the normal programming on Monday. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm doing something similar on my end for, we have a boy, what's called the Boilermaker, which is in our uh, hometown of Utica. It's a 15K road race, which is coming up like two Sundays from now. It's a 15K, you know, like I can go out and do, you know, a 5K, you know, without any training, but to run nine miles, I, I kind of have to ramp that up a little bit. And I, I don't do a whole lot. Somebody had asked me this the other day in the gym and I really only run twice a week and they were kind of surprised. The way that we run a structure of our classes is your cardio and your, like Tyler was saying, your breathing and all that kind of stuff. Plus we're incorporating what we call mixed modality training, which is kind of like what CrossFit does, right? We might do a cardio piece with some, some weight training and then some body weight movements. So you're getting like the muscular fatigue and the muscular endurance as well as the heavy breathing. So I don't think I need a whole lot of extra running, so to speak. Uh, but I do get out twice a week and I'll run uh, like a 5K, you know, maybe like 20 to 30 minutes. Of, of a slower, you know, like maybe a little faster pace. And then on the weekends, I'll run anywhere from like five to six miles on like a Sunday morning just to get that volume in. And I never really run more than six in my training, even though it's a nine mile race. I don't feel like I need more than that. And I feel like my body, the, all the times that I've ever run the Boilermaker in the past, that's about all I do. So I do ramp up a little bit. And then after this, I probably will take away that longer run that I do on the weekends and I might just replace it with a shorter run because Sundays sometimes like getting out of the house and just moving my body in the morning kind of clears my head and gets me focused for, you know, whatever that day brings. So it's really more of like a mental thing than it is physically preparing myself at that point after the race. So talking about your running and, you know, how you kind of purposely limit yourself, there are, I'm assuming days where you feel like you probably could go out and crush a nine mile run um, or hit the boiler, boiler maker length or you know there are days where you feel like you could do more after a workout like what what holds you back or how do you know when to not do more how do you know when to stop or not do extra how do i know not to do extra i just think from my experiences and both training myself as well as training you know, co coaching track and field for like 10 years um, down in New York City, I was able to, I had, to, again, I had this conversation with a couple of clients at our gym when we were talking about this type of thing. I used to only run my, my athletes twice a week, track and field athletes. They would only run uh, twice a week. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't like do stuff the rest of the week. Maybe Monday was a skill technique drill, maybe some lifting. Tuesday was our big interval day. That's when we would really 
crush the sprints and we would do 200 intervals 400 intervals for those for those athletes and wednesday was another like kind of like low day we would do like high low days and then wednesday might be another technique day where it's like low intensity but high like neuro you know like have to think about stuff and then it might we might lift again and then thursday would be another interval type day and then friday would be maybe we'd work on most of the time we'd have meets on saturdays so then we would on fridays we might do a couple of bursts like a couple of like really we would do high intense but really really minimal volume just to kind of be fresh maybe we work on some starts and things like that and then on saturday we'd race and that's all we would run and our some of my athletes that i've had were some of the best athletes in new york city for the time that i was there and they all and a good chunk of them went on to college and to run. And, you know, I have one that's a professional triple jumper right now. And it's just being able to experience, I think, tells us that we don't need as much volume as we think we do. And also for you personally, if you're always feeling tired, sluggish, joints kind of fatigued, I think that's the time in, to know that, hey, I may not need all this extra work. And, you know, it's time to back off a little bit. For me, it's personally, it's just just knowing from experience, like what my body can handle. And my body honestly can handle probably a lot more, but I want to always stay like under that level because as Tyler was saying, when we talk about ramping up for the competition, I want to be able to come out on the other end, whether it's in my training or in this road race and feeling good and being able to compete and maybe train the next day. I don't want to, you know, go too hard and be hurt or injure something that I can't do anything for a while. So a good rule of thumb is to think that I can always do more tomorrow but if I do too much today and hurt myself, then I have to take a lot of time off. So it's always good to err on the side of too little than too much. I like it. Yeah, I was trying to uh, I was trying to segue into our topic of the day. Um, so what what would you say like the the topic of, of today's conversation is? Well, I think what we were what we had talked about and in going into a little bit more detail was athletes whether they're my sports performance, high school age athletes, or even our adult clients. It's this, like the mentality that I have, like in order to, to kind of reach my goals, whether that's aesthetically, whether that's performance driven, whatever that might be, is that this idea that I have to always do more, right? More training, more training, more training, more training. Whether it's doing countless abs after class, thinking that you're gonna, it's gonna somehow magically pop into a six pack. Um, whether that's doing like excessive, um, I don't even know, like, a, I guess aesthetic pump type things after class or, um, when I'm talking pump, like bicep curls and, and things like that. Um, or it's, you know, doing extra training on your own at home outside of the program that's laid out for you. Right. So Tyler and I, when we write one of our, our top, we meet, you know, quite frequently. And one of our, every time we meet and talk, it's always about programming right? There's always a part of our conversation that's about programming and how we design programs for you and for the people out there. So we spend a ton of time thinking about it, making sure that it makes sense, making sure that it progresses properly, making sure that you're getting the right stimulus, so on and so forth to make sure that you make progress in a, in a safe and healthy way and continue to make progress. So when, as an athlete, when you go and do more and you deviate from that program, Obviously, you're adding volume to what we already have in place for you. And you're setting yourself when, whenever you add too much stress to your body, you always have that risk for injury, right? Your body has only a certain limit of stress that you can handle. And your body doesn't know the difference. Or your brain doesn't know the difference between, you know, physical, emotional, psychological, 
you know, financial, whatever the stresses you might have in your, in your system, your body doesn't know the difference. It just knows that stress is stress. And the more you keep putting on it, you know, it's going to break down eventually. And I think when we keep adding stuff to it, it may not break down today. It may not break down tomorrow, but two months from now, you're like, oh, my lower back hurts now all of a sudden, but we've been adding to it. We've been already overloading the system for so long because we're kind of deviating away from the things that, you know, we know that work. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, in in the athletic or sport setting, as well as kind of like the general fitness um, or training setting, the the themes are the same, right? When you, when you're feeling good, it's a sign, not necessarily that you should do more. It's a sign that you're doing everything outside of the gym correctly, right? So you're, you're getting quality recovery um, through your sleep and through downtime, you're, you're eating well, you're drinking enough water, all of those things. Now, there may be some room for you to up the intensity during your scheduled training. And that could mean increasing the weight a little bit more so that the sets are a little bit tougher, right? That could mean going a little bit harder during the aerobic work a couple of days a week. Um, that could mean spending some more time on some of those mobility aspects during your warm-up, right? But it rarely means, especially when you're following the program, it really rarely means that you need to do extra afterwards. And there's two reasons for that. One, if someone is creating your program, it mean, they have already thought about the extra happening on the other days, right? So they're, they're looking at the week ahead or the month and making sure that everything fits in well together, that Tuesday this week fits in well with Tuesday next week, uh, as well as tomorrow's workout. So when you go and add more, it kind of it kind of muddies the waters for two reasons. One, you don't know what's actually working. If you're adding stuff extra at the end, then your coach or yourself, you aren't going to know if your program is actually effective or if it's the stuff you're adding afterwards, and then you won't be able to adjust in the future. And the same goes in the other direction. If you're adding stuff in the at the the end or or doing extra, you know, and you end up with a sore back, like Anthony was saying down the road, you're not going to know what caused the sore back. Was it the extra work? Was it maybe one of those movements? Was it the way you loaded a movement during your regular training? So yeah, it it muddies the waters a bit and just makes it more complicated for for everybody. And I think part of it too, is that when you just kind of like, like, like Tyler said, when you just throw things at the wall and hope that they stick, we don't have a good idea. Plus, I think what, we, what we've what we run into a lot at, in, in house here is that folks will go, you know, after we have a big space, so it's kind of hard to deter folks from, you know, not doing extra because there is some extra space where they can kind of like mosey over and do some extra things. But most of the time, like invariably, like they're doing the exercises or the movements that we're going to be doing tomorrow. <laughs> They're like, well, we didn't, we haven't done this in a while. Or we haven't done this. And it's like, well, you know, like we're doing that tomorrow. And then if you're doing, let's say if we're bench pressing, so, you know, like give it something easy bench press, if you're bench pressing right now and then you're bench pressing tomorrow and then you're going to do, you know, like, Hey, I like, I like doing shoulders. So after that, I'm going to do some extra shoulder stuff. You're, you're really just like breaking down those muscle tissues too much and not giving them a chance to heal and, and grow. And you're actually like limiting your progress most likely you are limiting your progress, but there's a good chance that you're limiting your progress and opening yourself up for pain and injury in the future by, again, adding too much stress, adding too much stuff to that particular system um, that you're training too much. So just be conscious of those things. And again, if you have a program, just follow the program. I mean, there's no way to know, right? It's like a prescription. You know, we've, we, we call it exercise prescription, but if like, if you had a pill bottle from a doctor and it said, take two pills a day, you wouldn't take four, 
because something bad could probably happen, right? So when we're doing that, you want to think of the same thing. If your program says three sets of 10 and you do seven sets of 10, it doesn't necessarily make it better. Um, so just make sure that you're doing that. And if for whatever reason, like, like if we're talking about if you have an individual coach, if you're doing the program and you're like, hey, I'm not getting sore at all. I don't feel like this is effective. Then you have that conversation with your coach and they will add stuff and help you add stuff to it versus you just coming up with random things that may or may not fit into the grand scheme of the, or the, the big picture. Because like Tyler was saying, we, we, I look at things as like a month sometimes two months, maybe even three months, especially if I'm training an individual client, I'm looking down the road. Okay. You want to be able to do muscle ups and where you can only do one pull up. So here are the things that we need to do over the next couple of months to be able to get you to a muscle up like three or four or five months from now. It's not what's just this, you know, like what's today. And I think that's where we have to look at the bigger picture sometimes and have conversations and communicate with our coaches to make sure that we're all on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Look, looking at the big picture is a, is a, good way to say it both in terms of you know the overall structure of the plan but also in terms of your your body your system as a whole right just because you didn't bench press today we'll go back to that example and you know let's say you do know you're not going to bench press tomorrow or the day after right so you do some extra bench pressing or you after the three sets of eight you end up trying to go for a two rep max right so you went really hard with bench pressing because you know that you're not going to bench for a few days the issue is you're challenging your body your system overall beyond what was originally intended so you're using more energy you're using more of that glucose store um you're you're kind of challenging your nervous system slightly above or, or greatly above what was intended, which is going to make it harder for you to recover for the next day. And, and during the program, during the scheduled workout is where the real magic should happen. That's the real meat and potatoes, right? When we go in to work out, we shouldn't be going in kind of expecting to necessarily be able to do all the things we plan. What I mean is, we are supposed to be training at an intensity that asks the muscle to grow, right? The body is, is designed to be as efficient as possible, meaning it doesn't want extra muscle. It doesn't want extra cells on it because that means you have to use more energy to feed the body. So when you're training, you need to be training at that seven, eight, nine out of 10 intensity level. But if you're doing extra stuff after your workouts or when you go home, you don't leave yourself enough for the next day to actually go as hard as you should. Um, so, you know, if you, there's a term for that, right? Didn't we talk about this recently? Junk volume, right? Yeah. The junk volume. And that, and that's, I think junk volume is a result of not doing enough during your training. And it's this endless cycle. You don't go hard enough during your training. So you don't feel like you got the work done. So you do extra reps to actually get the muscle building stimulus in your muscles, which leaves you unable to go hard enough the next day. Um, it takes a bit of experience or a coach to tell you what you need to feel like. I'm going to be honest, that eight out of 10, nine out of 10 intensity can get pretty tough to, to experience or tough to grab um, unless you really understand what you're trying to feel. And we see it all the time in, in you know, regular gyms, you know, non-group class gyms where people are there for two hours and they're doing seven exercises for the same muscle group when they really could have just done two or three exercises and gone hard enough with those two or three and, and been fine, been able to leave an, an hour earlier. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is also part of 
maybe not soreness related, but I know we have some female clients specifically, and I'm speaking generally, obviously, um, but where they get scared to kind of go to that seven, eight or nine in terms of that intensity. And then, you know, three months later, they are, are kind of questioning if the program works or is effective and maybe not have the muscle, maybe not see the change in their body composition that they were hoping for. But if you continually go too light because you're kind of scared to push yourself, then you may not see the progress that you're looking for as well. So there's all these different variables that kind of go into it. So if we do too little and we're doing like a lot of, we're doing a lot of a little, no, or we're doing a little of a lot. Uh, So either the junk volume concept. So we're doing a lot of things, but none of them are hard enough to actually make any progress with them. Whereas Tyler's saying, if we just do kind of the right intensity, um, where we're kind of pushing ourselves, I think that there's like a, if we're looking at, you know, Tyler, we talk about, Tyler was talking about going to like partial reps after, you know, in failure and different things like that. Or if you're going like right before failure, you know, that's that seven, eight, nine intensity where you might be able to only get like squeak out like two or three more reps on certain intensities. Um, if you're really pushing, then those are kind of the things that are going to help you make progress because we do have to create a certain, a certain stimulus, excuse me, to elicit some muscle growth in our body. Um, because like Tyler was just explaining, our, our body doesn't want it. Like if you stopped working out, your body gets rid of the muscle as fast as possible because it thinks it's a waste, right? It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of resources. So that's why when we stop exercising, we stop training, those things, the muscle is the first to go. Um, so I think that's the, the key thing here is that you do have to push yourself a little bit harder each time. And, and honestly, like the best way to do that and the easiest way to do it is, well, one, keep track of what you're doing. And I know a lot for the last four or five weeks in our, our group classes, we've had the same rep scheme for the cyclist squat, for example, we had the same exact rep scheme. So you could have done a couple of different things there. So our last one was 10 plus, right? Which means 10 plus f- until failure, right? Until technical failure, which is a, just a breakdown in form. So if you stayed the same weight every week, this would be a basic, there's two different ways to do a basic linear progression. If let's say I did a hundred pounds 11 times, if I tried a hundred pounds again in week two and I got 13, then I pushed the intensity a little bit and I've improved. Or on the second week, you can try to get 105 or 110 pounds and then maybe go to 115 or 120 and you're still getting that 11 or 12 reps. Then again, we're pushing the intensity a little bit over what we were capable of last week. So each time you just want to kind of break through a little bit of a barrier, take one step forward, take one step forward, take one step forward each week, whether that's in in volume, right, which you can do in some ways, like a little bit, a couple more reps or in intensity with a couple, couple more pounds on. And a good rule of thumb, I think, for upper body exercise, it's a little bit harder to make those big jumps. I would say maybe two and a half to five pound increments, especially if you're, I mean, you're doing a strict press, which we were just doing, which is a very challenging movement. If you haven't done a cycle of strict presses, they're miserable. miserable. Uh, and then on the lower body, you can probably push it a little bit more, maybe five or 10 pounds more each week. So, you know, you don't want to go 20 or 30 pounds more each week because you might be able to do it one time, but then it's going to plateau or decrease really quickly. So you want to take like really small jumps, upper body, even smaller jumps than lower body, obviously just, you know, just the size of the muscles and the ability to grow fast and things like that. Just, you just need more time for the upper body to develop and go there. But So yeah. a lot of, a lot of complex stuff we're, we're talking about here. Um, but when it comes to, to training too much or knowing how, you know, 
how much is the right amount to train. I think the first thing we need to do is start keeping track. You can write it down in a notepad. You can just type it into your phone notepad, um, or you can get an app um, with a group class or a coach like we have, right? So just start seeing the trends in your fitness so you can start understanding what works and what doesn't. The second, if you feel like you can't control yourself or you can't adequately track what's going on, get a coach or find a group class like Prime where you can, they can help you. You have a coach and a system to help you keep track of how much you're doing and kind of keep you at bay so that you can, you know, stay in the game for, for the long run. 100%. I think we'll, we'll, we'll leave it on that. So, you know, just to wrap things up, I know Tyler just did a pretty good job. So, we talked. We started the conversation with what what had, was kind of going on with Tyler's life, and he's ramping up for a competition, right? And and the reason is, and kind of going along with this whole conversation is like, hey, why? When is it appropriate to do more, and why would we be doing more? Tyler is actually doing a little bit more, or adjusting his program slightly for a goal that he has in four to six weeks from now. That might be an appropriate time to do that if you have a competition or something coming up. Um, and if you know how to do that on your own, which is usually the tricky part, right? Tyler and I kind of know how to do that stuff because we've been writing programs for a while. But if you don't, then, you know, reach out for some guidance from somebody who you trust, um, who's done something similar and get some guidance on, hey, I want to do this thing, X, Y, you know, and Z, six weeks from now, how can I adjust what I'm doing right now to make me successful and be healthy through that? So that's kind of what we were talking about before. And then that leads into all the things we were just talking about. So now when is it appropriate to do more? What should I be doing as more? And then when is it too much? When is it too little? And how to progress things as I go? Hope that was helpful. And uh, we're going to dive deep into some other topics. I know I really liked our little look into Tyler's life for the week. And uh, it helped us kind of carry over into some more stuff. I know Tyler had talked a little bit about Prime Elevate. And we're going to touch upon that again next week, because I think what I want to do is do a deep dive into kind of what that looks like and how you can sign up if you're interested. I like it. Any closing thoughts, Ty? No, I just hope everyone has a good week. Enjoy. um, Well, you're going to hear this after the 4th of July, but hopefully everyone (laughs) had a great 4th of July and we'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Find Your Prime podcast. As always, we are looking for some feedback and comments. So if you are listening to an Apple podcast or Spotify, please give us some reviews. Give us some feedback. And if the content we're delivering is something that you like and enjoy. And if you want to be a little bit more personal, find us on Instagram at a Mercurio and tylercalacy.dpt. Till next time continue to help you find your prime. Later. Hey, hey, I'm at my prime. Whoa. Said I'm at my prime.